everybody, and welcome to Explain It to Me Like I'm a 10-Year-Old. Today, I'm very lucky to have Peter Bensavango with me, the founder of Datacation, which uses data from school districts to help improve the performance of schools. He is also the president of OPERU, which enables thousands of schools around the world to manage operational tasks on a single platform. Peter is a math teacher turned entrepreneur, and I'm so excited to interview him today. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing great, Charlie. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, so start the interview. Uh, as always, I'd love to share a joke. Um, do, would you like to share one? Sure. Um, love to share one. As a former math teacher, I have a uh, math joke for you, but it's not necessarily a math problem. So it's a little riddle. Why was the math book sad? Ah, why? Because it had so many problems. Okay, wow, that's good. That's a good one. That's a I don't good know if it's good. It's like a dad joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I got one of those too. Um, uh, the baseball just kept getting bigger and bigger, and then it hit me. <laughs> okay, that one works both ways. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> so... Uh, right off the bat, first question for you. I know that you were a math teacher before you started dedication. And, and what was that experience of being a teacher like? And, and how did you first have the idea for dedication? Yeah, so um, I was in the classroom for a long time. I, I was really meant to retire as a teacher. 16 years in the classroom. I was a math and a computer science teacher and loved working with kids. I was a high school teacher in, in Brooklyn, New York. And, and uh, the theme of our school was around technology. So I was very fortunate as a teacher to be exposed to a lot of different programs to offer technology to kids at a, at a young age. And this is pre-internet. So when you start thinking about the world before the World Wide Web and the internet, uh, we were teaching computers you know, Lotus and spreadsheets, DOS-based systems. So it was a long time ago, but I started teaching computer science to kids, kids that usually did not gravitate to many subjects, loved to write program, loved to write code, because it, it was like the modern day workshop, the modern day woodshop of just building, building great things that they could actually see after they created it. And the idea came from my, a co-founder of mine, this, um, he was at the district, and he was building these spreadsheets that he was emailing to schools. And I said, wait a second, we could use technology to solve that problem. And him and I started really building this data, um, this data product that it was at the time there was a, a law, um, there was a no child left behind during the Bush era when he was president. And what that was, that just said, is your school doing great or is it not doing great? Are kids passing or they're not passing? Are they learning or they're not learning? And what happened is a lot of these principals didn't know who to identify, which kids to actually target on where they needed help. So we started to create really data products around giving principals insight to what's happening at their school so they can make a difference and they could target the right children and get the right tutoring and the right extra coursework to help them graduate high school. So I, was there other ed tech software around at that time? Was this just completely new or was this just a, more, a better version of what was already out there? 
Yeah, in 2008, it was EdTech was still was still new, and that's when that's when we started dedication was 2007, 2008, and it was relatively new. There was there was some companies doing some great work, and but what happened was a lot of times the companies that were building this great work, it was big big corporations like IBM who was building this big data system. And what sometimes what, you know, why entrepreneurs, and you see a lot of entrepreneurs that in, in the education space were former teachers, educators, principals, is because they understand what is needed in the classroom. And I think we just had a jump that, that we understood what principals needed because we were living, we were living it every day. Mm-hmm. So there's so many great products, right? That they can't really find their markets and dat and dedication really did. You know, how did you sell the idea and, and dedication? Right. I, you know, any company and any entrepreneur, when, when they're building something, they're passionate about it, right? It's really, it's about being passionate about solving a problem. And we were really passionate about solving the problem to help schools interpret all this crazy data that they were getting and really helping them make a difference. And when the, when, how it became so successful is that we took that problem and we actually put a solution around the problem. So it, it's never about thinking that there's a problem out there, really understand where the pain is at the school level and build something great that works for schools, it just gradually, word of mouth, just said, wait a second, you're not using dedication. You should be using dedication to help you track this uh, kid to graduation. You should be using dedication to see who's, who's missing attendance, who do you need to call, or teachers should be doing it to provide grades to parents, so getting the parents involved. So we just started doing all these great things and, you know, all of a sudden, everyone just started talking about it. And little by little, momentum became behind the product. And if you really solve a pain point and you really build a great product that solves a pain point, it naturally will expand and grow. Mm-hmm. So a while after you founded it, uh, Dedication sold to another company. What was the experience of selling your company like? Yeah, it was, you know, it's always bittersweet, right? Because you build something, you grow it, you, it's your, it's really your baby. You live it for, you know, years and years. And next thing you know, you are not in control anymore. And what my advice is, and we were very fortunate, we found a great private equity partner in LLR. That we were really fortunate to be part of something special, something that had a very similar, you know, you want to sell to a company that still has the same mission that you then align yourself with. That is the mission. What's the end goal? Is it just to just get big and sell and make money? Or is it still the end goal? Can we help kids do better? Can we help schools do better? And if that's the mission, of the private equity firm or the other company that's buying you, if it's in line with the mission of, that you want, the money's nice, but really we, most ed tech entrepreneurs go into this, not for the money, but for the mission to really help kids and to really help schools to, to do a better job. Chris, did, how did you think your background is a math teacher, but do you think that gave you an edge? 
it gave me an edge in the product, right? When it came to design the product and knowing what schools wanted, and we were very close to the classroom and the teachers and the principals and the superintendents, we were really close. We, we spoke to them every day. We got feedback and we implemented, we listened. That's why we were successful, that we listened to educators and what they needed. And we were able to take that and build a product around it. Where where you start to struggle is I was a high school teacher for 16 years and now I entered the business world, right? And I'm going to use your line. I would say all the time, explain it to me like a 10 year old, because now all of a sudden they start talking high finances, big words like EBITDA, right? And all these other things that I knew nothing about because I was not a finance person. I didn't know anything about running a business. So you had to learn as you went along. And sometimes you just like say, wait a second, slow it down. I'm not, you know, as, as maybe I'm a CEO and maybe I'm the president and maybe that, but like when you get to a certain level in private equity firms, you have to start learning a lot about, you know, financing and strategy and human resources and growing a team and growing a company. And th those were everything we had to learn as, as we got bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's like anything else. You learn it while you're doing it. You just learn it on the job. But sometimes you say, explain it to me like I'm a 10 year old because I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So we were both in the same boat then, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. And, and after you sold Dedication, you joined Operu, which is a really interesting company. Uh, can you tell us more about it? Yeah. So, you know, after we after we sold the second time, we, we sold to LL Partners and we were fortunate to um, then sell to Illuminate Education, like one of the largest and best assessment companies, you know, today and, and, and who are now still currently the owner of the former dedication suite of products. You know, I started looking at what I wanted to do next. And what I knew I want, I knew I didn't want to start something from scratch. So I decided to invest in a company and bring in investors alongside with me to a problem. So I, I first identified the problem that I wanted to invest in. Then I went and found a company. So the problem was, it was my wife's would actually go and, and I have a 13 year old and a 17 year old and my, and my son at the time was in middle school. And he, my wife, every single night would go to, into the bottom of his backpack and pull out all these forms that was stuck to the bottom of the backpack. They were usually stuck because there was something sticky there too. So it was like, you pull it out this and it was a field trip form and it's a consent form or a tutoring registration, all these great opportunities that my child had access to. We didn't know about it. And I, so I went and sat with the principal and said, tell me this problem that you have. I see all this paper coming home and amazing principal of uh, Mark Twain Junior High School in, in, in Coney Island, Brooklyn. And she, she takes out a binder that was about 10 inches thick with over 200 communications that had to be sent home. And I was like, this is crazy that you're still sending this paper home. And half of that stuff had to be collected. Payments had to be collected. You know, my wife would scramble the morning of a field trip trying to find $12 to put in an envelope to send to my son to school with. And I said, we're going to digitize this. So I started looking at companies that were doing this work. And I found this great company doing this work around the medical field called Care Monkey at the time. And they were an Australian company doing amazing, amazing work. And I said, I have, I, we need to solve this problem in the U.S. 
And we're gonna not just solve it for medical, we're gonna do all workflows. If you have to do field trips or you have contracts you have to sign or registration for an event or get graduation tickets, every single thing that a form had to be filled out for a parent, we wanted to solve that and we wanted to do it in a digital format. So we made the investment in Camonkey, which then became Operu, and we started growing that in the United States. So you know, where do you go from here, right? You've, you've worked on these two great tools and have helped a lot of people. You know, what, what are you looking for next? To help schools. That, that's that's a great question. I, you know, very recently, again, Aparu um, Aparu was acquired by School Status, and I'm excited about the opportunity of where Aparu is going, and and it's part of that same mission. How do we have? How do we help schools communicate better, engage parents in in a in a really seamless way? So we're building something really exciting. So now it's not just all the forms. We're going to look at every communication that has to go home, whether it's a text message or a phone call or or a report card grade or an attendance mark. Every, all this data has to be communicated, whether it's a form or it's in the grade book. It's almost bringing those two together. My passion of data analytics from dedication and Operu with workflow management. And I'm excited to be part of the new school status team that just acquired Operu to really grow that vision of becoming the communication hub for K-12 school districts. You know, I, I re- I'm so glad you, you did, op- you've worked with Operu in, in dedication because I have those problems too. There's all these forms I have to fill out, right? And I have to go back to my mom and it's, it's really stressful. So, you know, the more, the better, the more growth, Ooh, that'd be great. So um, I also, I know you work with a lot of ed tech founders and what would you say is one of the more common pieces of advice that you share with them? Yeah, I, you know, when I, I do and I, I you know, I, I work with, with a few incubators and I work with a lot of startups that are really trying to break into the educational space. You know, the, I go back to the core, you know, my, the core mission of anything that you're going to do. Is it a problem? And are you passionate about solving that problem? Right. If there is a big problem in ed tech, and in education, not doesn't need to be tacked. In education, is it a big problem? Is it the problem there? And are you passionate about solving it? Because if those two things exist, you will build something great. And because even with Aparu, I, I you know I knew, I was passionate about solving that problem and found a company and found a group of people who were really passionate about solving that same problem. That's why it was so successful. And, and it's not because we were just like, let's, and we didn't reinvent, we didn't actually just reinvent the wheel. We didn't just say, let's send the piece of paper home digitally. We said, think about all the, all the operational efficiencies we could create for a parent if we send that efficiently. But when they fill it out, how about notifying people of important information when that data is in there filled out? How about sending them additional forms if something else needs to be done automatically? So we wanted to save the school time, money, and resources, you know, by building Operu, in which we did, so they could invest it back into the child's education. And really, if the if the child is the core focus point in all to the end of this, because it was really about me and my son, and it was about him missing opportunities because we weren't getting the paperwork. That's where it stemmed from. But it created efficiencies at the school, and it created efficiencies for the parent, and it makes the child happy. And if you're really looking any ed tech, I said, are you passionate about solving this problem? And is it helping the child? Then, you know, you will be successful because it takes it takes passion to really get the product there. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking a lot about passion, how helpful that is in, in a founder and entrepreneur. Um, what are some other traits that you look for in entrepreneurs? I, I think one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest thing is, and what I look for and that what I needed to, what I needed to accomplish myself is being a team player, right? The one thing that is you cannot do is by yourself. This is not something that you can actually try to scale a company and grow a company by yourself. It's not possible. You need brilliant people around you. I was very fortunate to have amazing co-founders in both my companies, you know, in Aparu and in Dedication. And then when LLR made IO Education and we formed that, it's about everyone has their strengths. Find people who, where you're weak at, find people who are really strong on that and bring them as part of your team. Because that, that makes, that's what makes a company successful is that you have these really brilliant people that are all thinking not alike coming together to solve the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is your long-term vision for an education system? Like, 10 to 20 years, right? You have all this experience as a teacher and as an entrepreneur trying to improve it. Yeah, you know, I think what we learn is that education is always somewhat behind a lot of the, um, a lot of the other industries, right? Finance and health and where there's much more money and there's much more systems in place. We, we see that happening. What we, what we need to invest in Right. And what, because I could still walk into a school and I will probably see chalk and talk in 50% of the classrooms. Right. Still a teacher writing on the chalkboard, talking to a group of kids, and, you know, everyone's falling asleep. Half of them are up. So, you know, you know, and we see that a lot. And that, I'm not saying that there's not there's something wrong with that. But if that's the only thing that's being done in the classroom, it creates, you know, a problem. What we, we have so many devices at our fingertips. We have so many different models. And I think COVID helped maybe to explore some of that. But we can start to do a hybrid approach of learning where the student is responsible for their learning as much as the teacher is responsible for their learning. And if we go into that model where it's much more project-based and research-based and technology-based, where there's a lot of the work is done on your own, whether it's in the school building or not, I've always learned by doing. That's how I learned as a kid. And that's how I learned as an entrepreneur. People talking to me about it, big words again, go over my head, right? I need, to, I need it simplified. And sometimes I need to go through the action. So I would love to see education become more of these hybrid model approaches. Maybe it's not five days a week. Maybe it's three days a week in classrooms with instructors. Maybe it's a lot more different pods or different things that you go to during the time and starting it at a young age, not at high school, you know, not, not wait till you get to college and that's when you get that experience. You know, I, I believe we see that technology could really help drive education. The same way we've seen how, you know, healthcare has done it and FinTech has done it and food services have done it in a lot of different ways. We need to probably swing the pendulum now a different way to, uh, you know, be more innovative in the classroom. Exactly. Well, I really want to thank you for being here. You did such a great job. This was such an amazing interview. And the, things you, the thing you said in the last question about uh, 
education being more project-based and have more technology. And that really reminds me of our last episode with Dennis Litke, who, well, two episodes ago, who runs a series of schools that are focused on project-based learning and learning in, that where you actually shadow a person that has the job you want to have. So I thought that was a really awesome connection. Well, Charlie, you're a great host. And I think this is it right here. Your podcast is what every kid should be doing. Your podcast, adults should be, you should be the teacher, and I am now the student. And that's the way our education system should work, right? And, and being innovative on in your home, we should see the same type in school. Such an amazing job. I was so happy and so honored to be part of this. I appreciate the time from you also. Thank you so much.